Hey, hey, hey. Hey, welcome back. This I'm Justine. I'm Elisa. And, <laughs> and we are the Murder Sisters. Sisters. So yeah, we talk about murders. We also talk about disappearances because it can get sad <laughs> about researching murders all the time. But also they're they're always interesting cases. Mm-hmm. We always try to find stuff. Mix that's, it up. Yeah, that's like maybe not as um, well known as like the mainstreams. Although this one. It's pretty well known. Yeah. I didn't really know about it, I don't think. Which is like if I didn't know about it, then it isn't that well known because mm-hmm. i know about every mm-hmm. you know everything ever, ever happened ever <laughs> in the history of the universe <laughs> but anyway so today's episode is going to be about nicole smith uh she was murdered and raped in atlanta georgia in 1995 elisa i'm gonna we're gonna do the same kind of splitting it up uh, yeah approach that we've done before so i'm gonna do the beginning and then elisa will take it from there yep So let's get this party started. (laughs) So Nicole's uh, mom is named Aquanella. Aquanella described Nicole as being headstrong, a go-getter, smart, and she referred to her as her mini-me. Nicole dreamed of being a pediatrician when she was older. She loved kids, and she would often tutor the children in her neighborhood. She was in the eighth grade going to Ralph Bunch Middle School and like I said that's in Atlanta Georgia and she was only a few days away from graduating Mm -hmm. junior high and then she'd be on to high school you know the day that she was murdered so it was on the morning of June 7th 1995 Uh, Nicole was 14 years old she was getting ready with her mom in the morning for school and they would often get ready and have girl talk in the morning and And this was just like any other day, except this day, Nicole had talked to her mom. Her mom was engaged to this guy that Nicole wasn't super, you know, into. And so she talked to her mom about that that same morning and said she didn't really like him. And Mm -hmm. and Aquanella said it's her girls wanted Aquanella to themselves like a a new guy. We don't want to share our mom. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so she was like joking with her in the morning and also um aquanella said you know what you wear your hair in a ponytail every day you should go put curls in your hair today Mm -hmm. wear it down so uh nicole went down the hall to go get the curls and her mom said something jokey to her and she said back you know what mom you're crazy but i love you anyway and that was the last conversation that Mm. they had that they would ever have Uh, Nicole and her older sister, Nikita, had begged their mom to let them Mm -hmm. walk to school with a friend that day. Normally, Aquanella would take the girls to school. And it's like a responsible parent really is like some kids walk. But I know our mom always took us. Uh, Yeah, we weren't allowed to walk. No way. Yeah. And And we lived really close to our school. And so I can relate to that. And I think they were pretty close to their school. Mm -hmm. So she, okay, this one time, because it's going to be three of them, it was going to be the older sister. So the mom let them go. She let them go and bad things happened just this on this particular day. It's like she never would have known that. Uh, so it was around 8.30 a.m. when Nicole, her older sister, and a friend got to a gas station near their house. That's when Nicole realized she had forgotten a school project at home. And 
So the first mistake, they split up. So yeah. Nicole said, I'm going to go back because the other girls, they were all good students and they didn't want to be late for class. Yeah. And and then also because of that reason, Nicole cut through the woods to get back to the apartment, mm. which she never walked in, but she didn't want to be late to class. That's, you know, she was just trying to get there as quick as possible. And her sister and friend had just gone off to school like, OK, good luck. We'll see mm-hmm. you there. And Nicole didn't make it far, so she went into these woods, and the nearby apartment complex, it was what Aquanella heard at 9.20. She heard gunshots. Other people reported hearing a scream, a girl screaming and gunshots. Mm -hmm. What I found is they'd say, oh, I heard a gunshot and then a girl screaming, but that's impossible. I mean, well, not necessarily if he... How many do you know how many times he shot her? Twice in the face. Okay, so the first shot may not have been deadly. It may have just injured her and she screamed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I was like, what isn't it the other way I around? I mean, it, typically but- you would hear a scream and then the shot, but it's not impossible. Yeah. Okay. So I won't get too into that. <laughs> I just was like Because I'm an expert. <laughs> well, it makes that you I believe you. I mean I'm <laughs> I'm like, I'll take it. All right. So yeah, it was around nine twenty when the nearby residents and Aquanella heard the gunshot. When Aquanella heard that, she said she suddenly got a headache. She never she mm. just heard a gunshot, didn't think anything about her daughter. Like yeah, because why would she? thought they would be unsafe, and but she said she got a headache that just could not go away. I have a question. Yeah. Oh, never mind. I just answered it in my own head. Perfect. All right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Aquanella never thought it would be her daughter that was shot dead. And when the apartment complex people heard the shot and the mm-hmm. girl screaming, they actually called the apartment security Instead of 911. What? Yeah. Maybe they were like, oh, I don't know. I don't know why, actually. When you hear screaming, like, I sometimes hear gunshots. We I are kind of in the country issue, but, but not with uh, screaming. That's Is weird. it, you may or may not know this, but like, was the neighborhood, did it ha- have frequent, were gunshots frequent? I don't think so, no. Based on. So then if somebody had called like 911, the police would have shown up. Oh, totally. Yeah. And I'll get into that. No, it seemed like it was very rare for that kind of thing to happen in that neighborhood. That's strange. Yeah. And ma- and maybe they were just like, I don't know. I don't, what to we do. never. But yeah. Multiple residents called security. Maybe they thought it would just be the fastest way to get somebody to check That's also out. true. That's true. Yeah. I didn't think about that. But what? either way, that's what they did. Then the security got out to where, go over to the forest area mm-hmm. where they said the call was, or the scream was coming from and gunshots. And the security was too scared to go in there. Oh, God. Yeah, because it's like, oh. Yeah, they're not wait armed. Wait a second. There's gunshot. There were gunshots here. I'm not going. I'm not going in there. Yeah, so and like typically, sorry to cut you off. No, but typically security guards don't have a weapon. Yeah, with I, them, I right? wouldn't think so. No, and they're. I don't think they're trained for that kind of stuff. No, I'm not sure, but that's pretty Shoot, serious. I'd be scared. And so they were like, "Wait, okay, we're not going in there." And so they went back to the office and called nine one one. So Reginald Boone was the first detective on the case. He got a call that there was a person down in the woods. Which he thought was strange because of the area and because it's like 
things didn't happen around there. That's how I know it's like a rare situation. I don't know who saw the girl because a person down. Yeah, what? Okay. Mm-hmm. So that means were they saying like there's someone down in the woods? Like there's someone over there down there Might by the be. woods or there's like literally a person down. He said that based on the call, he felt like it was like maybe a minor injury or something that happened. Yeah. So but really, at that point, nobody actually knew if there was anyone actually injured. Yeah. They just heard. Right? Scream. Yeah. And maybe that's what they said is we heard a gunshot and a person might be in there hurt or something. Okay. That's the part where it kind of skipped. And I yeah. thought the same. I was like, so did the security guard see her? But I don't think so. Because they were too scared to even go in yeah. there. So I'm not. I'm not sure, but but and maybe it was like the police got there first mm-hmm. and then called him because he was oh yeah a detective a, yeah yeah so anyway. like homicide or no not even not homicide yeah because yeah, he thought it was an injury so that might have been like the police came and then because he is a detective so he has to like tape off mm-hmm. and and just do the protect the scene. Mm-hmm. Okay, we went down a rabbit. I hole. don't know. Yeah, but <laughs> sorry guys. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, so. Yeah, he thought it would be like a minor injury or something like that. But as soon as he saw Nicole, he knew it wasn't a minor situation. He saw that she was shot in the face. I've heard face and head, so I'm not sure. Maybe the bullet went in the face and out the head. But either way, they were lethal, obviously. And he knew he felt her neck and she didn't have a pulse also. But he just did double check. But he knew. He, so her body was found on 2909 Campbellton Road, and it's in a wooded area behind num- building number nine, which was less than a mile from her home. And so it was very close, incredibly close. Yeah. Well, close enough for her mom to hear the gunshot. The gunshot. Not this. Yeah. So I think there were maybe a couple complexes over there where the ones closer to the woods heard, heard the-, the scream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so Nicole had been beaten, like brutally beaten, raped, and like I said, shot twice in the face or head. At around a quarter to 12, two officers came to Aquanella's door, Aquanella's, Nicole's mom, like I mentioned, and asked if she was the mother of Nicole. They stated they had found a body in the woods, mm-hmm. and it's, it's still like when they said, are you the mother of Nicole? We found, we found a body. body. It, she, it, she said it still did not even sink in. Also, when I'm saying she said uh, there was an interview, and as always, we're going to put all of our source, oh, yeah. source links in the episode description. So if you guys, you know, ever check anything out and do your own research or whatever, then that's all there. And we want to give street cred, cred to, <laughs> to these sources we use. So, yeah, it was around quarter to 12, a couple hours later, a few hours later. And they came to the door. It didn't sink in for Nicole's mom. And then so Aquanella called the school. They said, we think it might be your daughter. Do you have a picture? And then she shows a picture. And she said they like shook their head like, but in a way where, yeah, we, we are almost positive the body in the woods is your daughter. She still didn't believe it. She just still she was like no in denial or whatever. Not my daughter. So she called the school to see if Nicole was in class that day, and they had said yeah, yeah, she was here. Mm. Yeah, she was in class. Yep, we have her. 
And so immediately Aquanella's oh, like, oh, it's not my daughter. Thank God. She gets off the phone, tells the police officers, no, she was in school. A minute later, they call back. Oh, no, sorry. It was our mistake. She <gasps> wasn't in class today. Oh, my God. So she said she had this like up and down minute like, of like relief mm-hmm. and then right back to just then she realized after they called back like uh. nope and so when Aquanella went to see she wanted to see Nicole's body they didn't tell her a lot of what happened but she's like I I could see when I went and saw her she bought, had fought back so hard that's mm-hmm. why it said beaten and then shot because he beat her bad enough so that she was he could rape her basically yeah and she was fighting back fighting back so she he she had horrible injuries because she was fighting back so much and aquanella said that he had actually stomped her chest and flattened her chest down (gasps) Mm mm-hmm I know it's awful. Oh my gosh! And and her mom, Nicole's mom, said she noticed dried tears on her face. Oh gosh! I know. Isn't that the most heartbreaking? Uh, yes. Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. So the immediate investigation uh, was the neighborhood was canvassed. Hundreds of neighbors were interviewed following the the murder, but all leads were exhausted, and the case went cold. While the perpetrator was still out there for years. And there was no hope for Aquanella. She thought, of course, they're going to find him. Yeah. And then nothing happened. She went into a really deep depression. She w- had to be hospitalized a couple times. Oh, wow. And then she turned to alcohol to numb the pain. Mm-hmm. She said anything to numb the pain. But my go-to was alcohol. She would drink at her worst. She was drinking up to a case of beer a day. And then she said she woke up one morning, realized, what am I doing? No one else is going to fight for my daughter like I can. I need to get my act together. And so she, you know, stopped drinking, got her life in order. Good for her. Mm Mm-hmm. I know. That is a lot to overcome. Because that doesn't really, like, that's not typical. Yeah. You don't just typically, when you're drinking that much and stuff and in that kind of deep depression, you don't typically just wake up one day and you're like, flip that switch. Yeah. But, you know. Good um, for her really good and 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 she did it yeah and she said it's mind over matter mm-hmm. you just gotta you it, it I told myself this isn't gonna help like this yeah you drinking every day isn't gonna help find the killer and in the years after the murder she did everything she could after this like epiphany or awakening she had regular vigils and balloon releases they were everyone would re- release purple balloons because that was Nicole's favorite color which I think now we're realizing, like, releasing balloons. Very bad is, for the environment. Well, animals can choke on the... Turtles. Po- yeah, turtles. and so we're not supporting releasing balloons. Yeah, don't do it. I know every time I see it on, like, a, a crime show or something, I'm like, no. I don't think... It, it might not be something that's, like, public universally known. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know until, like, I think I heard it on another podcast... So I Googled it and I was like, oh my God, like turtles, especially they think it's food and they eat it. Yeah, it's terrible. Okay. So let's, anyway, that's our little bit of like (laughs) (laughs) our PSA. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So she held vigils. She just kept it, kept the case alive and that did everything she could to keep it alive and keep people, keep it on everyone's mind. It wasn't until nine years later when the now retired cold case detective Vince Velasquez took over the when the same offender struck again. 
and this is nine years later. This is the part where Elisa's going to explain more. Mm-hmm. But another person that I saw really involved, and I don't know if you're going to talk about her, is Cheryl Mack McCollum. Nope. <laughs> so she's a CBS crime scene investigator. She's the only one ever, like, so there's normally TV channels don't have their own investigators. So mm-hmm. that's the only one. And they cover cases in... She She's the one that went back to the actual scene and yeah. traced all the steps yeah and there's a lot of video footage on that and she's been interviewed a lot so she has also done a a, like a profile on the on the offender Mm -hmm. and who she like the characteristics she said that he likes young black females that are alone in a neighborhood near their own home I'm thinking that this point is because when you're home or near your home you let your guard down a little more Mm. I don't know how he would know that but yeah and she didn't get into that, but, and it's also, well, I don't know if this is based on two cases that happened. That's like, yeah. but she said. It's not so much like a <laughs> it's like it just so happened profile. It's just like. And the victims are typically with other people before going off on their own. Yeah. How would you know that I that was going to happen? I don't know. Anyway, whatever. If you see girls walking alone, say, do not separate yeah. whatever you do. Well, you shouldn't anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's true. Stick together. And I'm just thinking, gosh, I wonder if they had that talk with a mom where it's like, okay, go, but don't separate. And I would imagine so because she was so like protective of She them. was also so close to home. Like mm-hmm. I imagine she could have ran home, got her project, told her mom, shoot mom. I forgot my project. Can you drive me to school? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I'll yeah. just run back home. Yeah, yeah. literally run That's back exactly. home. That's exactly. I think you're right. Wow. See, you get into these like you think about. <laughs> I think <laughs> I'm a like, lot. I'm like, I wonder what they had for breakfast that morning or I don't know. Um <laughs> <laughs> so that's uh, the first half of the case mm-hmm. leading up to her murder and following when it went cold. And yeah. Elisa's going to take on the second half. I'm excited to hear because I, I tried to avoid like reading too much about yeah, it. Yeah, we, we just pick a section of the case and just strictly focus on that. So like a lot of the stuff that Justine does, I have no idea about because mm-hmm. I didn't look into it. Yeah. And, and sometimes, vice versa. sometimes there's crossover or we like fill each other's. Gaps. Yeah, gross. Oh my god. Justine. <laughs> anyway, okay. I, I'm gonna stop now. Okay. So picking up where Justine left off. Now I'm not sure if you mentioned this or not, but did you happen to bring up the fact that they were able to find DNA? No, I didn't even get into okay. that at all. Like basically they canvassed the neighborhood and it went cold is about as much as I talked about okay all right so they were able to find some DNA and I'll get into that a little bit more but Nicole Smith's case has now been unsolved for 25 years which I'm thinking I'm not a mom but like thinking from a mom's point of view I imagine it's just like heartbreaking and frustrating for Nicole's mother and family to just have this case be unsolved for 25 years and they have DNA. Like, yeah, that's what makes it. That's what I was thinking is like the most frustrating part is it's like so close. You'd think that you could find them. You have what you need. And yet, yeah. Anyway. Um, so I watched an America's Most Wanted episode on the case and I'm going to include that link. Like Justine said, we always include links. It was actually on a website called InsideCrime.com. 
So just kind of look out for that link. Oh, yeah. I love that website. Mm -hmm. I use that a lot. Yeah. So if you want to check it out, that's the link. Anyway, you can tell how heartbroken Nicole's mom is in that video. In fact, Aquanella says in the episode that the murder of her daughter was had driven her crazy pretty much. And it was it's all she thinks about. And while doing some research on the case, I read that Aquanella kind of blamed herself for allowing the girls to walk to school that day. Because like Justine said, they typically, she typically drove them. But the girls had begged her to let them walk. And she finally caved and said yes. And she, so she holds a little bit of guilt for that. She shouldn't, obviously. But I can understand like where that's coming from. Mm -hmm. But for So for years, Aquanella said that she would look for her daughter's murderer everywhere, like in crowds, at nightclubs, the grocery store. And she said she would constantly be on the lookout for someone that matched the description that was given of the man that was seen in the area during the time of her daughter's murder. Oh, that's another thing that I found in one of my sources, but I couldn't find it anywhere else. Is that it said that witnesses saw a man, a shirtless man running out of the woods. So anyway, yeah, because there were some witnesses who actually saw some guy. And the, I mean, here, I'll read you the description. So it's a black male in his early 30s with a gap in his front teeth and gold framed glasses. That was the description. And that was from witnesses? Apparently. Oh, okay. I thought that description came from the second case. It did as well. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Oh, from I didn't what even know I, that. From what I gathered. Because, yeah, because uh, it's just based on what I found. That okay. was kind of the, they had that initial, like, kind of specific, but still kind of vague. Okay. I feel like gold frame glasses... But if he took them off, that would be... So really, all you're looking for is a gap tooth guy. Okay. Technically. Uh, I, mean. <laughs> see, I thought that I thought that the very first time they ever had a description was from his second victim. I don't believe so, but I could be wrong. Okay. We can always be wrong. And yeah. That's, that's just the name of the game. But anyway, okay. <laughs> okay. So anyway, Aquanella had said, and this is a direct quote, they would call me pistol packing mom because I had this pouch I would carry my gun in and I was looking for the person so she said after searching for the man on her own for years and years and years packing that pistol looking for this dude yeah she had no luck no leads but in 2019 Aquanella had received news from investigators on her daughter's case that gave her some renewed hope They informed her that they would be utilizing familial DNA to try and catch the person that raped and murdered her daughter. And I got the definition because I wanted to be sure and clear on what familial DNA actually was. I just wanted to make sure. So I did look it up on the Forensics DNA Education for Law Enforcement Decision Makers website. So according to that website, familial searching is a process by which a DNA profile of interest in a criminal case is searched against the database. If there are no direct matches, it is then searched again in an attempt to find DNA profiles that are similar to the profile of interest and could belong to a close relative of the person who left the DNA at the crime scene. Oh, wow. Okay. So, (laughs) yeah, it's basically... Trying to like so if say they have this guy's DNA, which they do, mm-hmm. they look through the the database 
criminal database. Co- uh, what is? I can't. Oh yeah, what the is word it is slipping my mind right now. If we remember, we'll say it. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm like, I just drew Co- a Coda or CODIS. CODIS. Is okay. it? Okay. <laughs> I kept Sorry. Tra- thinking like COVID. It's kind of like COVID. Yeah, but not. <laughs> uh, so they searched his DNA in that database and got no hits. And so what they were expanding it to was familial DNA. So they ran a second search to see if there were any kind of close relatives of this man. Oh, that's smart. And I think they've solved cases before. Oh, yeah. The Golden State Killer. Oh, that's how? Mm Mm-hmm. Whoa. Okay. So since opening up the search to familial DNA, there still has not been any leads or matches found. And I'm not sure what databases authorities have utilized in their search, but it seems crazy to me that there still has been like no even distant relative matches. And I'm wondering if they are utilizing family tree databases. Oh, ancestry.com. Like stuff like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because if they're not, then I feel like they're limiting. Well, yeah. The search. Because if you think about it. Okay. So basically none of this, this guy is not in the criminal database and none of his close relatives are. But what are the chances that none of his close relatives have had their DNA tested through one of those family tree sites? I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's just it's it's worth the the look. Yeah. And so I don't know for a fact, obviously, because I'm not working the case. And that's probably not information that they're going to share. Yeah, that's true. But it just makes me wonder, like if they're utilizing those databases yet or if they kind of aren't comfortable doing that because I think it's also it's, it's a hot yeah. topic and it's yeah and it's controversial that's what I meant yeah <laughs> I knew what you meant because it doesn't always it's a little it's a little <sighs> inaccurate or not no not, not inaccurate, inaccurate I could see why people would have an issue with it's it. it's like this it's like oh this DNA is closely and I think this happened is cl- is closely related to this guy who's committed a similar crime so it must be him like that kind of thing but and uh, yeah I believe that has happened where it kind of influences in the wrong way maybe a little yeah I'm not sure about that I don't I do. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. So what we do know is that in 2004, so this is nine years after the rape and murder of Nicole Smith, the same perpetrator struck again on June 20th, 2004. A 13-year-old girl was walking home from her friend's house to celebrate Father's Day with her family when a man had approached her and started talking to her and like walking next to her. And she kind of picked up her pace. Ew. Yeah, it it was weird. And he asked her what she was doing out by herself. Whoa. And he continued to walk with her and talk to her for about like a minute or so. And then he just grabbed her arm and told her that he had a knife and that she better come with him and not scream or he would kill her. And he pulled her into a wooded area, then proceeded to remove her clothing and assault her. Now, after the assault, he just left. He just got up and left. And that's the that's crazy. Yeah. Because and I'll get to that kind of at the end. But 
because I have a lot of thoughts, <laughs> just okay. crazy thoughts going through my head with this whole case. Because there's a lot of I have questions, strange but things. I don't have thoughts, so I'm interested to well, hear what questions you have to and say. thoughts. But anyway, so a friend of the family had found the young girl just walking on the side of the road. So she stopped, pulled over, and gave the young girl a ride home. And once the girl got home, she ran right to her mom, crying, bawling, and let her know what had happened to her. And so her mother immediately took her to the hospital to be examined and to have a rape kit done. And fortunately, I mean, not fortunately that she was attacked, but fortunate for the case, I guess, that they did recover DNA. Oh, yeah. Really fortunately that they recovered yeah, DNA. Yeah. And so what was kind of mind blowing to investigators was the fact that this DNA profile matched the DNA profile from Nicole Smith that was found in Nicole Smith. So in addition to the DNA matching in both cases, the young girl was able to give a detailed description of the attacker to police and they released a sketch of the man based on her description. And so the young girl, the description she gave of this man that attacked her was he was black in his late 20s or early 30s, roughly 5'10", 190 pounds, with a medium complexion, a noticeable gap between his front teeth, and he was wearing round glasses with gold frames. Whoa. Yeah, so I'm not sure that all of this new information and the fact that both cases matched renewed. But, sorry, I just said I'm not sure. I am sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am sure that all of this new information kind of renewed hope oh, in the case yeah. and got, kind of got investigators like excited about it again in a we're going to catch this guy kind of way. Yeah. But, you know, it's like they didn't catch it. <laughs> Yeah, and, and that's the craziest part. It's like they have this perfect description, mm -hmm. uh, which if you you could see the images on uh, some of the sources we're going to link to, I the the image is like, man, that looks like somebody I know. Like mm -hmm. it's such a good sketch, uh, sketch that it just it's like how how has how does nobody no know one this guy? seen this man. Yeah. It blows my mind. And something I noticed immediately, it stuck out to me immediately, uh, both girls were attacked in the month of June. Ew. I just immediately noticed I, that. I wonder if it's really hot in um, Georgia in June, because I know people uh, commit crimes when it's, I mean, statistically, it's like crime rates increase when it's really hot out. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't know. It could be a coincidence, but oh, it's just something walking. that stuck out to me. Yeah, that is weird. And, and walking around is more often yeah. in like summertime. And something else that stuck out to me was the fact that in the attack on Nicole, he used a gun. And during his second attack, he used a knife. So those are, that's very different. different because also, sorry, <laughs> because offenders usually have like their MOs. Yes. Okay, I'll let you continue. And so, I'm excited. Him. <laughs> also, he killed Nicole, but he did not kill or even like hurt with a knife. He didn't attack her with a knife. He didn't try to kill her. So I'm wondering why is that? I'm obviously glad that the second girl was not killed, uh, but it's still strange to me because she could identify him, and she did. She gave like a detailed description of this guy. So he let her see his face and then let her go. And another thing, like typically attackers escalate their behavior over time. 
and he's doing the opposite. Yeah, that's so, true. So it was just weird. <gasps> huh. Strange to me. But we know for a fact it was the same dude. Yeah. Because of the DNA. Yeah. It's, I for mean, a fact. Yeah. It's yeah. not a, it's not like theories. It's fact. It's yeah so actual it's actual science it's real science <laughs> so that those were just some things that were like kind of running through my head and then also it blows my mind that this man was able to attack two young girls nine years apart in the same area and no one knows who this guy is so this I forgot to mention the distance between Nicole's attack and murder and this 13 year old girl's attack was a three mile difference Wow. So he's like in the neighborhood. Yeah. He's being a creep approaching girls on their own. Yeah. And I'm like, his family doesn't recognize the sketch and description and the odds that no one knows who this guy is are pretty slim. So that tells me either that people are not coming forward, maybe because they're scared or because they're his family and friends and they're trying to protect him. Yeah. But I just find it very hard to believe that no one knows this man, especially with a detailed description that the 13 year old um, girl who got away was able to give. And And also, I mean, they've one thing I've seen based on the research is this case is really covered everywhere, especially in Georgia Mm -hmm. and Atlanta. I mean, they everyone must have like seen this guy's face because it's like every news um, station and continuously cover it and it's just like how 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 yeah yeah I feel like I could just walk around in that neighborhood and find him (laughs) yeah like oh could be him could be him Uh, or the police haven't run up against him anywhere like it's just yeah it's just really strange and I'm obviously not a detective (laughs) but it does seem to me like this is an area that's comfortable to him so he's comfortable committing these crimes here during the day. In the middle of the day. Yeah. Or like in the morning. When I, in a neighborhood. She was walking on the street. In a nice like, neighborhood that doesn't normally have like violent crimes. Yeah. And he may not. So my thoughts are he may not currently live in this area, but maybe he grew up there and still has family in the area and returns to visit. Oh, that's a really good theory. That would make all the sense. Yeah. And another thing, I don't think that I, and again, I'm not a detective, but my personal opinion is that these are not his only two victims. Yeah, I'm sure. I I just don't, like, it could be possible, but I just find it hard to believe. Some serial killers and serial rapists do have, like, times where they're dormant, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. So that could be possible and he could only attack when he like returns to that area to maybe like visit family or. Yeah. And that might be why people in that area don't see him because he doesn't live that would, there anymore. That would really make sense. And then he's like comfortable enough in the neighborhood to do these like attacks. And but then he only in this area, it's like this certain level of comfort where he doesn't commit crimes anywhere else. But when he like goes to visit, it's like his little raping area and maybe he shot Nicole because well he brought a gun with him and didn't bring even bring a gun to the second one but maybe he didn't have anything on him and it was a crime of opportunity with the second girl 
And so that's why he didn't kill her because yeah. he didn't have a weapon on him. And maybe with Nicole, she might have said, I'm going to well, tell my mom. I'm going to. And she, I mean, sorry to interrupt, but they said it was clear from defense wounds that she fought back. Really fought back. I don't think this girl did. I think she oh, just did what he said and yeah. complied because she didn't want to die. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. So, but one thing that I will say is <laughs> I think that this case is totally solvable. And it's just interesting to me that the same man is connected to these two attacks, yet his DNA is not coming up in any criminal database. So that tells me that he has been able to stay out of trouble, under the radar his entire life. And so he's never been arrested for a crime that would require his DNA to be taken. So he's probably... An unassuming, yeah, quiet, maybe loner, yeah, just no one would suspect him. So even if they see the the sketch of him, yeah, they're like, like, oh no, no way, he's too docile, he's yeah. too quiet, he's too sweet, mm-hmm. he's too passive, or whatever. So he's successfully like stayed under the radar for, for over twenty five years, God. or twenty five wow. years. It's insane to me. I'm like, there has to be something missing from... There has to be. It seems like it's like they're supplied every possible investigative tool that they could ever... Forensic. But, I mean, it really... All of it really means nothing if somebody doesn't come forward and say, I think it might be this person. Unless... Or just like hoping he messes up in some other area of his life where it's like... Because he hasn't even been in like been in trouble it seems because then the police would say hey we know this guy yeah based on his sketch but mm-hmm. he hasn't even like in, been in contact with police at all I guess well at least not in that area yeah. we don't know yeah, <gasps> yeah that's true because they don't it could be in like even another county or um another state and mm-hmm. where it's like they're not aware of this crime as much yeah yeah. No. So, so we're just no, yeah. we're passionate about this guy getting caught. And is then, what it is. like typically with the cases we've done, we kind of just read the facts and we'll give our opinions here and there. But like, and I apologize for just rambling on about my. You don't just need to spewing apologize. out all of my thoughts and theories, but it's true. Well, it's I just couldn't. It couldn't things. stop. Like my brain was just going this entire time. Because it's so solvable. Yeah. And it's just right there. But it really does uh, depend on the community. I mean, at this point, it'll either take somebody making an anonymous tip saying, I think it might be him. Or yeah. And do that, please. Whatever. If you see or who even looks like this guy. It's going to take him slipping up and his yeah. DNA being entered. Yep. Or into. just luck or, uh, yeah. But so it, do you. Do you know how people can get a hold? Yeah. Um, and like, okay, so I'll give you the Atlanta Police Crime Stoppers number. And it is 404-577-TIPS. Well, sorry, that was loud. So that's 404-577-8477. And I think that this crime will eventually be solved. I have yeah, a I strong it's feeling. Like, it's close, too. It's like you just yeah. feel that it's like any second. Let's yeah. get that bastard. 
strong feeling that it will be solved. Yeah, <laughs> let's do it, guys. <laughs> okay, come on. So thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you. We always say that, like any tiny little bit of information that could help bring justice to Nicole and the second victim, victim and Aquanella and everyone who's fought so hard. And that's really what I saw with all of the investigators. Everyone who's on this case is they are so passionate. They have yeah. It's not really a matter of cops given, not doing the legwork. They've given their heart and soul into trying to solve this case, and you mm-hmm. could just you could just see that. And so, man, that would be awesome if we could catch this yes, guy. Yes, twenty twenty one. I say we. <laughs> we. It's like when it, oh my god, when a professional <laughs> sports team yeah wins. Oh, and we it's just like, we won. did it. We did it. You didn't it's do like you shit. You sat, sat on, on your couch. couch. <laughs> <laughs> so if um. if. Well, we sorry we're the good guys. <laughs> yeah, but so thank you again for listening. Uh, please remember to subscribe, and if you like listening to us, share this podcast with friends and family. We've been having so much fun doing this. Yeah. I honestly, I don't think either of us thought we would be even on episode five. Yeah, really, <laughs> or episode one, and we're yeah. we look forward to it every. And week. And you guys keep listening. Yeah. We have over. We have like over 130 downloads now yes which, which is, is not a, a lot but it's, it's a, a lot big to us because we when we did this we just thought it would be our like parents family <laughs> yeah our close family listening to us and our friends and there are people listening and it makes us very very happy yeah each and every one and then if you guys have any cases that you want us to cover or if you know of like of is if there's something that's happened to you or a mm-hmm. family member or anything like that please email us at Murder Sisters Pod at gmail.com. So that's Murder Sisters P O D at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. Thanks, and guys. Gals we'll and see you next week. Or you'll yeah. hear us next yeah. week. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.